Welcome to Mystical Musings, April 19th, 2015, in the Library of Colorado Heights University, beaming out from the highest place in the Mile High City with Myron McClellan and myself, Lawrence Phillips. Those of us who identify as spiritual but not religious, who are non-sectarian, non-denominational, non-doctrinaire, are the fastest growing demographic in America today. Thanks for joining us, for creating our community of mystics, people finding unity with God, the breath of life, the gentle whisper, <coughs> the quiet cough, <laughs> the great spirit. As a community of mystics who know beyond the intellect, spiritual apprehension of truths. I am because we are. I am because we are one, celebrating body and spirit. Today, we would like to offer a mystical homage to Mother Earth. In this musing, we speak of the value and joy of direct experience of Gaia, Mother Earth, or as I like to call her, Mama Gaia. This experience is most available by connecting with her heart to heart. Today, we offer easy and powerful techniques for making this important connection. And we will discuss how this interaction is needed as balance to the connection with Father Sky. We will also speak of the unique gifts she has to offer us and of the way our life is changed by incorporating her into our individual energy bodies. She is the Earth Mother, the source of groundedness, the provider of health, and the great nurturer of souls. Thank you for joining us as we pay tribute to Earth Day and Water Day by invoking the spirit of the Great Mother who dwells in and on the sacred earth and is Gaia the Earth herself. We have a basic choice in life represented by the following anagrams. 
has all the same letters, but just says a different word. Our choice is to be sacred or to live scared. The words earth and heart are also anagrams and thus contain each other. As do the following words offered by an anonymous internet poet with all the following words being contained in earth and heart. Hear the ear, hear the heart, hear the earth, hear her heart, hear the heart art, hear the heart rate, hear the earth heart. A tear, hear her heart. He hear the earth heart. Her heart hear the earth. The heart art, a tear. The hate tear at the heart. The hate tear at the hater. The hate tear at the earth. The hate ate at her. The hate eat at he. Hear the heart. Hear the earth, hear her heart, hear her. All of those words within heart and earth. Amazing that the words earth and heart contain the light and the dark of earth and of life. Our heart is the first major organ to develop in the fetus after conception. Neurophysicists are discovering that the heart is more an organ of intelligence than merely our main pumping station. More than half the heart is actually composed of neurons of the very same nature as those in the cerebral system. The heart emits an electromagnetic field 5,000 times stronger than our brain. Many regard the heart the earth of ourselves, as the seat of our greatest intelligence. Way back when, from Chief Seattle in 1855, humankind has not woven the web of life. We are but one thread within it. Whatever we do to the web, we do to ourselves. All things are bound together. All things connect. Earth as Gaia comes to us originally from the Greek mythology with the earth personified as a goddess, the daughter of chaos. I did not know that. Gaia, the daughter of chaos, how fitting. The present notion of the Earth as Gaia was coined by scientist James Lovelock in his Gaia Hypothesis, which states that the organic and the inorganic together maintain conditions for life and thus the Earth itself, Gaia, is a living organism, as is held by many indigenous cultures the world over. Earth Day was established April 22, 1970. 
catalyzing our contemporary environmental movement. And since then, this commemoration is supported by every country on the planet. With billions of people participating throughout April in Earth Month, designing ways to support Mother Earth, our beloved Mama Gaia. We recognize that Mama Gaia is a living being, and it is to you, Mama Gaia, that we express our deepest appreciation, honoring your benevolent spirit by embracing our oneness with you, our earth, our home, as there is truly no separation. We are the earth and the earth is us. We are because you are, Mama Gaia. The earth's changes are our changes. Even Martin Luther says, God writes the gospel not in the Bible alone, but on trees and flowers and clouds and stars. Even Martin Luther. Thank you to our home without whom we would not be. We honor the sacred. We honor the earth, our mother. We honor the elders. We honor all with whom we share the earth, the four-leggeds, the two-leggeds, the winged ones, swimmers, crawlers, plant and rock people. Because of you, Mama Gaia, we walk in balance and beauty. Thank you, Mama Gaia. Namaste. Great to see everybody. Thanks for coming to honor our great mother, Mother Nature, about whom I will say some things I have never been permitted to say publicly before. You're going to blame me again? <laughs> You've just gotten paranoid. It had nothing to do with you. But speaking of you, you wanted me to speak about uh, kind of what's been happening in the mystical world since we saw you last. And so I'm going to talk about that first. And then second, I will talk to you about Mother Gaia. It seems as if the weather, you know, going between gorgeous sunny days and gloomy rainy days and just back and forth unpredictably has been reflecting my mood because sometimes I'm just so happy I'm ready to burst I'm, I have so much joy and then the next moment or the next day I'm just totally bummed <laughs> bummed is the technical term for when you feel fear, anger, and grief all at once. <laughs> now, the interesting thing is that on those bum days, it feels to me it's not my bummer, not my fear, not my anger. 
It's not my grief. But I feel it and I want to feel it because I think that's the way we mystics can help actually express and feel those feelings for those who are not equipped to do it. It's a part of our job to take on what the collective is not yet ready to do. But the feelings are real. And yet, behind those feelings, when I say, well, that's not mine, it gives me a certain peace inside. And I can feel those challenging emotions at the same time I'm feeling the peace. And I'm noticing this with Lawrence, with me, and with the community in terms of being able to hold two emotions at the same time. Now, this is not possible unless you have an expanded consciousness. So this is a mystical thing I'm talking about. When we used to just think we were separate, when we used to think we were just our ego, we were just our identity, we were just our personality, there's no way we could hold two things at the same time. So I notice when there's a big wave of fear and I'm feeling that fear, there's something underneath that that is very peaceful. And so I've been practicing feeling both of those things at the same time. You have to have an expanded heart and an expanded awareness in order to do that. But what it does is it makes it very powerful and makes it very grounded and keeps us at the effect, not of our emotional state, but at the effect of our oneness with all that is. And so that's been going on recently. And another thing that I feel has been going on, giving you the mystical news of the week, is that we are being able like never before, as far as I can tell, to open our hearts and our minds in a much bigger way than we have before. So in meditation, when we get, when we expand, we get to that place of oneness and feeling the oneness. And then recently, the last month or so, when I hear that expand to oneness, and I get to that place, which is not that hard after so many years of practice, I hear the voice say, expand further. Instead of just going to the oneness, go to the allness. And that expansion then lifts me away from this planet, not away from this planet, it gives me more than the resources of this planet to bring into my being. It takes me way out into the cosmos. And so that has been an absolutely exuberant practice. 
And it's something we can do by just saying, okay, this is expanded for you now. All right, expand some more. Expand some more. Now, this kind of expansion is possible only as we live in a state of forgiveness. Forgiveness is really the key. Not just forgiveness of others, but forgiveness of ourselves. True forgiveness of ourselves. And the practice that I've been guided to do recently is to take the moment not only to expand, but also to look at myself in that expanded state and say, what do I have to forgive myself for? Even if it's illusional, what am I thinking in some part of me that I need to forgive myself for? Is there anyone I am subtly judging? Is there anyone I'm sort of in my mind putting down? And they come up, they pop up, and then we do a simple forgiveness process. And then things within ourselves come up and we realize that we are criticizing ourselves and not forgiving ourselves for the smallest things. And so that process contributes to the expansion that we can feel these days. And that is a product of this new evolution we're in, in which it's possible to expand enormously. Now, in that forgiveness process, the guidance that has come to me is very explicit and in words. And often my guidance isn't in words, but it's in words. And here are the words that I hear. Speak sweetly to yourself. Be sweet to yourself. That's the word, sweet. Be sweet to yourself. Be sweet to your inner child. Be sweet to your adult. Be sweet. Just love yourself. And then I was guided to sit down from time to time and just do that. Right? Just say, hey, beautiful guy. <laughs> So it's a wonderful practice at this time. So all of this seems to me to be a part of this awesome, uh, awesome expansion we're going through right now as we are in this phase, this beginning phase of the new consciousness. So that's my weekly, monthly report from Mystic Central. <laughs> and I offer it for whatever use you intend to use of it. Okay. Namaste. Namaste.
Thank you, Myron. A spontaneous creation that takes 70 years <laughs> to create. And with all of our help, we all help to create a field out of which Myron channels such beautiful music as this. It's up to us mystics to integrate the polarity. We've been doing so for millennia. One such more contemporary mystic and novelist, F. Scott Fitzgerald, quoted by John F. Kennedy in his inaugural, said that the mark of a first-rate intelligence is the capacity to hold two opposite perspectives simultaneously and still retain the ability to function. And thus it is up to the mystics amongst us, all of us in this room today, to hold the opposition in the midst of our crazy world with stuff getting crazier and crazier. We also need to find the light, find the evidence for the positive. The unifying aspect of that came to me through a piece of a poem called The Marriage of Heaven and Hell by William Blake. And it's something that got just deeply marked in my heart. It is as follows. Joy and woe are woven fine, a clothing for the soul divine. Neath every grief and pine runs a joy with silken twine. Human beings are made for joy and woe. And when this we rightly know, through the world we safely go. As most of you know, each month I make it part of my spiritual practice to attempt to find evidence of the positive in this pretty crazy world of ours and I call it incipient evidence for mass positive transformation. What better evidence for mass positive transformation than the rapidly accelerating creation of what Bucky Fuller calls the internet or the exo-nervous system of our planet, most epitomized by the explosive growth of the smartphone. In 2007, Steve Jobs introduced Apple's smartphone, saying, this will change everything. And really this extraordinary boast and profound insight was not hyperbole, with Apple's iPhone being the prime exemplar of the early 21st century's defining technology. Smartphones have become the fastest selling gadgets in history going well beyond the sales of the preceding simple mobile phones and outselling desktop computers four to one. Today, half the pop uh, population in America owns a smartphone and by 2020, 80% of us will. The average American is ensconced in their smartphone for two hours every day. <coughs> Nearly 80% check messages or news or other services within 15 minutes of arising each day. 10% admit to using their cell phones during sex, 
I'll just leave it at that. The potential to enrich lives, reshape entire industries, and transform society is huge. The smartphone is convenient in size and gigantically, potentially connected almost everywhere, anytime. Even a simple smartphone has more processing power than NASA's supercomputers in 1969 when they put a man on the moon. This extraordinary capacity is now applicable to ordinary human endeavors and very cheaply. The potential for medical diagnosis is staggering and just beginning to be realized. The same potentiation is true for microfinance the world over. Thus, the smartphone is the current fulfillment of Buckminster Fuller's prediction of the internet being Gaia's exo-nervous system. There are, of course, pitfalls. For example, text neck and the resultant stress on the spine. I do know a good embodied learning practitioner, if any of you have text neck. <laughs> there is also the new diagnosis for the fear of being empty-handed. Nomophobia. <laughs> Nomophobia. No mobile phone phobia. Nomophobia. Otherwise, I think of it as nomophobia. <laughs> but the bigger concerns for better or for worse are privacy and surveillance. The person next to you could be a potential publisher of your most embarrassing moments. Quite a number of politicians keep finding this out the hard way. If American spooks are listening in, no question authoritarian regimes are also spying on and controlling their citizenry with greater and greater scope and efficiency. But the benefits outweigh the detriments. Ever cheapening smartphones are the vehicle for bringing billions of more people online. Smartphones enable people to record brutality as we just tragically saw in the last fortnight with the death yet again of an unarmed black man in South Carolina. Smartphones can spread information and dissent with unprecedented swiftness as we've seen in, for example, the entire Arab Spring, Hong Kong, and Ferguson, Missouri. And with many demonstrations of all sorts all over the world, challenging authoritarian and democratic societies alike. Smartphones nourish our needs for autonomy and liberty and creativity. The boon for social sciences wrought by the smartphone is nothing less than revolutionary, with the vastly expanded data sets now available on these phones. More aptly, tricorders which have become digital census takers, creating a more detailed view of society than ever before and done in real time. Already being realized is improved traffic flow, crime prevention, and fighting epidemics. Regarding the torrent of unfolding smartphone apps, the applicability is potentially staggering from the mundane to the profound. Cry translator, interprets your baby's mood. Run P tells you when best to take a toilet break in any film. 
and fills you in on what you missed. <laughs> I've been waiting for this for decades. <laughs> When's the next bus? What's that tune? How much would this barcoded product be somewhere else? Is that horse meat on the menu? With the emerging internet of things, I can shift my thermostat remotely. Apps just go on and on and on, limited only by our imaginations. And of course, spirituality is being directly affected by ever cre more creative apps. Coming under the heading of, if Buddha had a droid, <laughs> there's concentrate for those who wish to improve their meditation skills. My Life Organized gives us a place to dump random thoughts and projects because dehydration is the fourth leading cause of death amongst elders. There is an app called Waterlogged. There's an app for Eckhart Tolle quotes as well as Rumi and Hafiz quotes, both in general and about love and on and on it goes. Who would have thought a phone would help propagate mystic awareness. By drawing people into the banking system, smartphones are expanding the GDP of developing countries. Entire industries are being remade at unheard of speed. Uber is a household name in 55 countries and is barely five years old. The smartphone is a startup platform unleashing cheaply and globally unprecedented creativity at something approximating light speed in just eight short years. The transformation being wrought by smartphones and the development of Mama Gaia's exonervous system has only just begun and is thus this month's candidate for incipient evidence for mass positive transformation. Namaste. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what borderline Luddites like me are going to be doing. <laughs> Already I'm outsourcing all of that to Sven and his brother Oliver yes. and other 12-year-olds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, in any case, I guess I'll be fine if I can keep young people around me. Yes. Yeah. I first became aware of the Gaia hypothesis in, I think it was 1970, with the publication of the first Whole Earth Catalog, which some of you will remember. And it made a lot of sense to me, and I went into Greek history to look at who the goddess Gaia was and study it. And so I could believe that that was so. I could believe that there was Gaia, this huge, magnificent force incarnate in the earth. I could believe that, despite some of the reaction of non-believers to the whole hypothesis. I remember the Reverend Jerry Falwell cracking up, literally. I mean, he could hardly hold himself back by the notion 
that there was someone incarnate in the earth. And there's a long history of that opposition between Christianity and the earth religions, like Druidism and certain forms of paganism that seemed as if they were worshiping nature or worshiping nature spirits. And it was a distraction. So you don't read very much in mainstream theology about Gaia. So, you know, I went all through graduate school and all those years of teaching and never, which, and uh, history and philosophy of Christianity and Western religions was my field. And I didn't find anything about it in Christianity, Judaism, or Islam. But there's been an underground movement going on for quite a few years. A friend of ours has a mother who lives in uh, Flagstaff, Arizona. She's in her 80s. But every day she climbs, uh, uh, does a long hike and climbs a mountain to do what she's guided to do, which is to bring energy into a certain spot on the earth. And she's done this for years and it's her job. And there are other people or groups of people who go around the planet at certain points like chakra points or acupuncture points or something on the earth and send energy down into those places. So in recent years, it's become more of a phenomenon. Still, all of that was academic to me until I had an experience that I'm only now courageous enough to tell you about because it really seems pretty borderline and maybe delusional, but it's real. <laughs> I promise you it's real. In the early 80s, I was told by two of my colleagues, professional colleagues, that I had something to do. One was I needed to go to Estes Park and find a green rock. What? I thought, okay. I don't know that I'm going to do that. I'd like to go to Estes and I like green rocks, but I didn't feel compelled. And then a second of my colleagues, fully clairvoyant, said the same thing. Go by a river and find a green rock. So this was something that I discussed with my partner, my then partner, and, and she said, well, go to the cabins that we go to in Estes and see what you find. And then I had energy work just before I went with an amazing energy worker. And she said, you know, there's a huge like green guide here standing beside you. She, and she called it the Jolly Green Giant quite naturally. But she says, 
he's inviting you to go to Estes Park and find a green rock. All right, that's three. All right, I'm going. So I went to the cabins that we stay at, at which is beside a river. And I spent hours in the morning walking up and down that river. And there were a few green rocks, but they were like, you know, coin-sized green rocks. And they didn't speak to me. So I went back to the cabin for lunch, and I was really, really disappointed. I really was discouraged. I thought, I don't have any good discernment when it comes to people telling me what to do. So, so as I sat there feeling sorry for myself, it occurred to me that there's another river in Estes Park. So I thought, okay, I'm here. I'm not going home until tomorrow. So I went to this other river. And there was one spot that would hold one car by the river so I could park there. And so I parked there, looked up and down the shore, didn't see any green rocks. But then I noticed that there were boulders, like stepping stones, to the other side of the river. So I stepped across to the other side of the river and right in front of me was this boulder, considerably big boulder, that was covered with moss. So it was a green rock. And there was indentation in it that was perfect to fit your back end. So I could sit there and lean back against the green rock. And I felt very happy doing that. I didn't see the jolly green giant, but there must have been someone there with me because I decided that I needed to stretch out and lie on my belly on the earth. Now, this is really not like me because I don't like to get my fingers dirty. It had on new clothes. I don't like to get them dirty either. But I felt compelled to do it. And when I did, this was about one o'clock in the afternoon after lunch. When I did lie down, I felt a connection more powerful than most connections I've ever had with a mother energy who introduced herself as Gaia or Mother Earth and began to tell me how much she loved me. And then began to reveal herself to me and into my heart in the deepest, most beautiful way. I was absolutely captivated. And I was in a state of unceasing joy. I was in ecstasy. I was in bliss. And I could hear myself saying, I love you so much. 
I really love you. Let, let me know what I can do for you. How can I serve you? So it's really ardent prayers while lying there in this extraordinary connection. And it was so in my heart that I knew this connection would never go away. So then I began to feel chilly. So I got up from the earth after thanking her prodigiously for this great revelation and this great willingness to connect with me in the heart. And so when I got up, it was dark. I had been on the earth six hours and I had no idea that I had been there that long, but I was in such a state of overflowing joy. Of course, there was no time for me, no time. So I came home and began to do a practice of lying on my stomach in good weather in the beautiful sloping green yard that we have and in bad weather just lying down in my kiva in my sanctuary in my office and connecting my heart with mother gaia in worship and in gratitude and then a few months later i think a few months later couple of months later, I heard this call as I was lying on the ground that said, come to the hot springs, Valley View hot springs in the San Luis Valley. And so I said, absolutely. So I called and made a reservation. And I had to, and I had to leave late because I was doing this special music, piano solos at a local Methodist church. And I committed to doing that. So I thought, well, I'm gonna get down there late, but it doesn't matter. Then my car, my sob, <laughs> of course, <laughs> fell apart, which it did every other week, but <laughs> fell apart. So um, I rented a small little piece of nothing, 10 car, because snow was predicted and all the four wheel drives were gone and so on. I did not feel safe driving this out of my driveway, much less three and a half hours away. But the call was to come. So by the time church was over, uh, it was snowing very heavily in this three ounce car, right? <laughs> so, I said, are you sure? So I called a friend who lives in Creston, which is near the hot springs. And she said, don't come down here. Feet of snow are expected, don't be silly. 
So I started out in the snow <laughs> and kind of slipping and sliding a little, but by Bailey, which what, 40 or 50 miles away, the snow cleared up. And I did not have any more snow at all until I got to, even after I got to San Luis Valley. So when I checked in at the hot springs, they said, you know, we have uh, forecasts for a lot of snow. And so everyone else canceled. So you have the whole hot springs to yourself. <laughs> I said, okay, all right. So I'm packed, went to my room, and then it started snowing. And so it snowed the rest of the afternoon and the, the night. So when I got up the next day, it was like spring. The sun was out. It was a cloudless sky. It was the most glorious, beautiful spring day. And so then I was guided to go to a particular pond, a particular pool in the hot springs, and to lie on my belly there. There's only one that you can do that, called the waterfall pool. And so I lay on my belly, and immediately the mother opened her heart to me. And then she said, now I want to come into every chakra. So I was lying there, and all of the chakras got activated, expanded, and lots of redemptive information was downloaded. Again, I could have drowned in that thing because I was there for hours. <laughs> and in any case, when I got up, it was, it was getting chilly, and I went back to my room. And then, I heard her say, I want to be thoroughly inside you. I really want you to be a witness for me. And I said, anything you want. So I felt so fulfilled, it was awesome. The next day I did the same thing, no one had come. I did the same thing and I heard words coming to me. And words that I will live by forever. But in any case, she said, opened all your chakras to tell you who I am. Because I am the source in you of sensuality and sexuality. That's where she began sensuality and sexuality. And she said, they have been so corrupted on the planet. But intense sexuality, intense sensuality is extremely important in your life now, because that's a source of tremendous power and tremendous grounding. The third chakra she opened and said, I will talk to you later about this. And then we went into the other up, upper chakras, which were pretty open. So when I got back to my cabin, I sat down 
and just wrote out what I was hearing. And it was all about, to my great surprise, it was all about money. Money. And she was saying that's another part of the world that has been corrupted. Money is sacred. Money is God in that form. Don't be shy about bringing it into your life. You don't want too little and you don't want too much, but it's very important. So, and there was more in the channeling, but it, what it really told me is that she's very in touch with human needs. Whereas, you know, my experience of God the Father and the Holy thing is like, all they are unconditional love and couldn't care less about anything else. <laughs> That's probably not true, but that was just my, just my experience. So it wasn't long after the Estes Park experience. So that was in the 80s. And I've gone two or three times every year to commune with the mother. So when I tell you I'm going on retreat, that's not to be on my knees praying. <laughs> it's to be on my knees in the hot springs or on my belly connecting with that energy. And meanwhile, we have this gorgeous yard, as many of you know, that I could lie in and I did so fearlessly. And the mother energy just embraced me and I cannot tell you how nurturing and grounding I felt after that. And when I've been in times of long contractions, sometimes it's been the only thing that has kept me going, is that heart connection with the mother. Now, I have a heart connection with many mothers, including uh, Mother Mary. And as I sat one day, after getting up in my kiva, sitting in a chair, Mother Mary appeared to me. And they, you know, they're the same, but they had different energy signatures. And I was immediately reminded of the story in the New Testament when Jesus went to visit his friends, Mary and Martha. And when he got near, Jesus got near to their home, Mary went running out to greet him and to be there with him and to bring him into the home and anoint his feet with oil, dry it with her hair. She was to me the perfect disciple, the perfect disciple. Meanwhile, Martha was cleaning the house, making the food, getting everything ready for her great friend who was coming. She was the earth mother. 
She was that aspect of the Divine Mother, the Martha aspect, the one that is so nurturing to us. You know, who would not want to just collapse into the arms of a big Earth Mother, right? Just think about it. Just being held by a big Earth Mother is just something it does for the soul that can't be duplicated anywhere else. And in history, Mary has been the one who's been lauded, and Martha is the one who is like not the disciple. But clearly, it was about having those two aspects of the feminine that we so need. We so need that. And in our day of so much uncertainty and bombardment from the news from the media, I just think about being held by Martha, being held by Mother Earth, being held by Gaia, being healed by Gaia. And I walk through our garden and I thank the mother for the trees, the grass, the insects, the bushes, the flowers, and she thanks me back. When I feel the energy of all these creative issue from her, I feel a oneness with them. And in that oneness, that feeling of oneness is Mother Gaia. She is that connection. She is that life. She is that vitality. She is that awesome presence. And so I still lie on my belly. I still go through the garden. I mean, thank you so much. I can see Mount Evans. It's so glorious. And I can walk through this garden and thank the mother so much for the gift of that coming through the agency of my partner. And I feel so much love in that garden, grounding love, embodied love. And I connect with her in my feet. So I often say this little mantra, I am one with the earth. I am one with the mother. I am one with all of nature. I am one with all of her amazing gifts. I am one with water. I am one with all of the elements. And my heart feels so blessed to have that connection. The last time I was at Valley View, which was in January, there were people there, but people didn't go to the ponds I went to. 
So I had these huge ponds to myself. And the last day, the mother appeared before me as the mother, which hadn't happened. I hadn't had that visual before. It was just a hard experience. But there she was in all of her glory and all of her love and all of her fullness. And she said, would you like me to come in you, come be a part of you? And I said, you know I do. <laughs> Please be a part of me. Please come into my life. Please come into my being. Because I so honor you. And when I get to the age that I can't drive all that far, or climb to the pools, or go to Mount Evans to the Bristlecone Forest, I know exactly where to go to find her. And as this is the first time I've been able to talk about this, she said, tell those beautiful friends of yours that I can come into their hearts and into their lives also. I just need to be invited. So, My gratitude to Mother Gaia is boundless. My gratitude to you for taking this in is boundless. Thank you so much. I love you.
Khalil Gibran says, forget not that the earth delights to feel your bare feet and the winds long to play with your hair. Or for those of us who are follicularly challenged. <laughs> forget not that the earth delights to feel your bare feet and the winds long to play with your hair. From Ralph Waldo Emerson, the earth laughs in flowers. On Earth Day, we celebrate the gifts of the world and nature, uh, all the gifts that the world and nature make available to us. We recognize our complete dependence on your bounty, Mama Gaia, and we acknowledge the need for good stewardship to preserve your fruits for future generations. From the great Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh, you carry Mother Earth within you. She is not outside of you. Mother Earth is not just your environment. In that insight of interbeing, it is possible to have real communication with the Earth, which is the highest form of prayer. From Lord Byron, there is a pleasure in the pathless woods. There is a rapture on the lonely shore. There is society where none intrudes by the deep sea and the music in its roar. I love man not the less, but nature more. Shalom, Christ be with you. Assalamu alaikum, adieu, adios, aloha. We honor the place in you wherein the entire earth dwells. We honor the place in you which is of love, of truth, of light and dark, and of peace. As you are in that place in you, and we are in that place in us, in this present eternal moment with our beloved mother, we are one. Namaste.